Welcome to Twitter Travels for Pete, special book edition. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the special edition. The last time you heard from me was a transportation series. And now we're shifting gears a little bit because since then, I've published a book, Traveling the Trail for Pete, all about my experience working on the Pete Buttigieg campaign and doing all these podcasts. But you know what? Two other people have written books about their Pete experience, too. Isn't that amazing? So, well, before my book came out, Lisa Fleischman wrote Boots on the Ground, a grassroots tale of neighbors stepping up and into Pete Buttigieg's historic presidential run. And then mine came out. And then soon after mine, ooh, we have Paul Barnes' book, Paul for Pete, Politics, Theater, Life, One Man's Adventures, or How I Became a Septuagenarian Fanboy. Well, you are in luck today, my dear listener, because I have Paul and Lisa here with me today. We are the three Pete authors. Pete memoir? I don't know what to call us. I mean, maybe by the end of this, we'll, we'll think of a, a cool way to call us. But the thing is, you know, we writers stick together. You know, people might think that it's a competitive thing, but really, especially for a memoir, you know, we all have a completely different story. And so I'd like Lisa to say hi from Iowa. Hey, everybody. Welcome from Iowa. It's a it's a very snowy day here today. <laughs> very snow. A lot of snow shoveling. So you're exhausted. Just sit sit back and relax oh. as you're interviewed. Oh, oh, this is this is more of a conversation, right, Paul? And then we have Paul Barnes. Now you are uh, participating from Oregon, right? Ashland. That's right. Yep. Um, Hey, everybody. Uh, yes, I'm uh, calling in from Ashland, Oregon, uh, which is home, and uh, where I'm not going to mention that it is 55 degrees out. Oh, thank so. you for not mentioning that. But you know what? I, I was just saying to Lisa that I like the snow. We got a lot of snow yesterday, too. So if it's going to be winter, we might as well have some something bright outside. Wow. It's been so fun uh, bonding with you two, mostly on Facebook Messenger, and I really am so grateful uh, that we've we've uh, developed this relationship, chatting about our books and our experiences, and and I love how all the book three books are you know they kind of cover different aspects of of the campaign because Lisa's boots on the ground is a like the microcosm of Iowa at at the precinct level and it's so important and we're gonna hear hear from Lisa just in, in a second and you know I my book I guess is more macro I'm traveling all over the place meeting people and then Pete I uh, Paul hey I'm gonna I saw <laughs> your book <laughs> says Paul for Pete yeah basically Paul Pete you know uh oh yeah I, I mean that is like uh deep your I think of your book as very very big and deep so you of course can Tell us all about it. But I'm going to start with uh, Lisa. A lot of our listeners have read your book already, but I'm sure there are some who haven't. So could you give us a little little synopsis of what your book is about? Sure. So Boots on the Ground is essentially a grassroots tale. Um, But it's not only about grassroots politicking. It's about the strategy of how to do it. So I myself had never been involved uh, in a a political campaign of any sort. In fact, um, I had been a lifelong former Republican. And so when I became involved in the Buttigieg campaign, uh, I was completely green, had no clue what I was doing. None. Zip. Zilch. Uh, but I was very fortunate uh, to find myself on a very starting level, like in the very beginning of Iowa, uh, with literally like two other people uh, sitting at my kitchen table. And I remember that we had like this little meeting and the organizer who had just moved to Iowa, never been to Iowa before, ever, said, 
this is what we're going to do. We're going to go from three people to six to nine to 12 to 50 to 100 to 1,000. And I thought this guy had lost his mind. I had no <laughs> clue what he was talking about. Uh, because we were we were just sitting at my kitchen table. And how do you even do something like that? And so Boots on the Ground is the story of exactly how you do something like that. And how you go out in a rural and red county in Iowa, or maybe even anywhere, uh, with whatever cause that you have and when. That's what it's about. Wow. So it's it's a handbook. <laughs> that that's uh, it's also about your own personal experience full of all of that. Certainly. I mean, it, absolutely. Absolutely. It was a journey for me. Um, I saw so much growth. I mean, I'm, and I'm so grateful and humbled by that experience. Um, but I knew that my experience couldn't be that much different than anyone else's. I never made the, made the thought that somehow I was special or unique. In fact, I thought that my story mirrored, mirrored a lot of other people's stories out there. And that if other folks could see that myself as a complete, you know, green novice, never been involved in any of this kind of arena in my entire life, if they could see the simple, if yet tedious things that we did worked, then maybe that would teach other people that they could go do it too, wherever they live. Right. I love how you said that uh, it was going on everywhere else. You weren't unique, but you were the one to write about it and it had to be done. So thank you. Thank you for doing that. So let's go to Paul. Uh, uh, how are you going to possibly give us a little a synopsis of your book? There's so much there. I mean, there's politics, theater, life, one man's adventure. Paul for Pete. Yeah, well, uh, that's a good question. And, uh, you know, I could take up the entire time, I suppose. But one of the things that I love about all three of these books and, and you know, connecting with you guys is I think one of many things we share in common, including the Panera in Ankeny, uh, Iowa. Um, oh, my goodness. Is that... Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Been all there, been, we've that. all been there. <laughs> we've all, all been there. Yes. Yay. <laughs> but um, uh, and I, I have to mention at this particular moment, the photo that's come up on my laptop screen happens to be the view of the Mississippi River from the bridge at the Guthrie Theater in Minneapolis. I'm looking right out at See, that view this is just of the river and the falls. Or there you go. Something. Kismet. Yeah. But the, the thing that I love about all three of our experiences is that we sort of just stumbled into them. It wasn't, you know, some sort of plan that, you know, any of us evolved or, you know, set out. And I really stumbled into it. Uh, as I talk about, you know, at the beginning of the book, um, I, I wrote Paul for Pete because I wanted to record what was for me um, an inspiring life-changing journey. Uh, very unexpected. You know, as I say, I, I stumbled into it. I had no idea this is what was going to happen. So it really is from, uh, actually, somebody has referred to it as a hero's journey. And the inciting incident of that hero's journey was uh, election night in 2016, <laughs> uh, when, um, you know, Hillary did not win. Uh, or let's put it this way: When Donald Trump won the Electoral College vote, because as you say in the book, in in the book, I have always thought of him as the president of the Electoral College, mm -hmm. but um, and, and not a whole lot else. But we'll leave that alone for now. But that's really when it started. And then encountering Pete by accident in I think it must have been early February 2019, uh, when I happened to turn on Stephen Colbert at night and morning Joe in the morning, or maybe it was the reverse order and saw back-to-back -back appearances with him. You know, I mean, you guys had this same experience. He just reached me and I suddenly thought maybe there's a way out of this and he seems to be the guy. And, you know, the journey led me to fundraising, which I had never done for a political campaign. And then it led me to an area that I'm a little bit more comfortable with, and that's, I, I served on his arts policy committee. 
And um, so that was a very exciting way to put my background and my, my um, you know, work to work for the campaign. But I also found out I was a successful fundraiser. I mean, I was always within the top 20 of his grassroots fundraisers and often within the top 10. And that was, you know, rewarding and surprising to me. And then in the middle of the campaign, um, you know, in August, late August uh, 2019, my partner uh, experienced uh, a stroke and that changed our lives in many ways. And yet I kept going with the campaign with his full support. And, um, you know, so when you say the book is deep, I, I mean, there is a lot in it. A lot of events happened. And also, um, because as a theater director, I travel all the time, as you uh, were doing, Sue Ann. And it's you know funny that we never ran into each other. I think we were in many of the same places, uh, but never at the same time. You know, there's a lot about just what life on the road is like, what directing is like. I do a lot of Shakespeare, you know, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so a, anyway, that's a very uh, right. overlong overview no. of Paul for Pete. Yeah, well, I, I think that's what I meant so, by the deep is that it's 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 your memoir of your life, too. I mean, it's like you're, you include a lot of your your life um, that independent of Pete. And even say, if you think this is a Pete book, only a Pete book, you might be disappointed. Right. It's everything. But but the, the what ties it together is mostly Pete. Um, well, th- thanks, Paul. So So my book is. Traveling the Trail for Pete, Finding Belonging in a Political Campaign. And like Paul and Lisa, like I didn't expect this. And I like how, Paul, how you you expressed that, you know, we just fell into it, right? So actually, which I think is kind of a good guidance for things in, in our futures, everyone's futures, that, you know, some of these things you just have to go with your gut. Like something happens to you and like you get this momentum and you think, you know, I don't know where this is going, but I'm going to go with it, right? So because if we would have sat back and said, I'm going to, you know, do this, this and this. And so for me, still, you know, f- f- um, just stumbling on Pete and who is this guy and being so inspired, right? Just being so inspired to do all this work. And, and at the time I knew it was special and I just was going to do whatever I could. And I, I do say that in the book a couple of times. It's like, I'm, <laughs> you know, uh, at times I'd think, am I a stalker? <laughs> you know, why am I going to all these things? And it's like, I, you know, I wanted to show support, but I also knew that of the moment was, historic. And I knew also this was a fun party that was going to end, you know, it was going to end, you know, if he became president, right? But but the, the primary cycle was going to end. So I was just having fun as much as I could while it was, was happening. And then what happened was I was meeting people. And then, so here's the, the, the fun thing about <laughs> I think it's funny. I don't know if anybody else thinks it's funny. So one of the themes of my book is that, you know what, I'm not very good at some things, you know, I'm not good at details. And I was meeting people working in the campaign and the Minnesota group, they were so good. They were, they were actually project managers for their careers. They were like, just like lining up all the details. And then I would just freak out over things like that. Well, how can I contribute? You know, I couldn't even do all the like physical labor you know, because I'm not good at that either. I don't have much stamina, blah, 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 blah. But they kept saying like, well, you're really sociable and, you know, you can, you know, introduce yourself to our, you know, people, the new people and blah, 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 blah. And I go, yeah, I'm sociable. Well, then the introverts were telling me, you know, no, no, seriously, that's hard for us. That's hard for us to talk to strangers. You, you can do it. And I'd never really thought of that before. Like, really? Uh, what I can do is that's my that's like my superpower that I can meet people and talk to people and I enjoy it. So once I kind of realized that that's how I could contribute to the campaign and that like I'm meeting people anyway. Wow, I should interview them. And uh, so I wanted to help the campaign. I'd already um, donated to the Max. A, l- a lot of us did that. And we had never done that for any other candidate I think Amen. many of Amen. us, yes. So Amen. I still wanted to contribute. So, well, you know what I could do? I could interview grassroots uh, supporters where they're at and 
then they can use the podcast episode to play for their relational organizing. You know, like, hey, I did this cool podcast where we talked about what we're doing, for, you know, for Pete. So I, I don't know to what extent, you know, it was used in that way. But uh, I, what I found was a lot of belonging out there. Um, that's why the subtitle is Finding Belonging in a Political Campaign. And that's, that's that I'm going to revisit that. But let's go back to what Paul said, like we were so inspired. So to just work hard. Lisa, I couldn't believe what you were, all the work you were doing. I mean, I was just like, I just like couldn't believe like, okay, just set up an office uh, or just do this and just knock on, you know, all these doors. It, uh, like I, it was, it was incredible. So how much of this was that, okay, we really didn't want Trump to be reelected, right? And how much of it was like, we really want Pete? So I came at it from a very different angle. Of course, uh, a lot of my friends, my family, my colleagues, so I'm in construction. Um, which you know uh, is is a is a different career path uh, for many women. Although I would certainly encourage you know women to get involved in that career. I mean, it's actually very rewarding. I have a good time with it. Something new every day. Uh, but as a blue collar woman, you know, I mean, that's and living in a red county, um, I was seeing those those red hats everywhere, right? And, but I, but also I could see a shift in what was happening amongst my friends, my neighbors, my family, the ways that they would talk about things. And I, I, I was at a loss to explain it to myself. I'm like, what is going on here? What is happening? I have never heard any of you talk like this before. This isn't who we are. And so uh, really the first time that I heard about Pete was a very negative article uh, in which uh, members of his own party were really bagging on him for going on uh, Fox News. And I thought to myself, well, I've never heard of this guy, but who is this rebel? Who is he? Uh, and of course, you know, I watched that uh, Fox News town hall and and, um, you know, then it was kind of off to the races after that. But in a more personal sense, uh, my husband and I had always been go along to get along kind of people. Yeah. Uh, whoever was governor was governor. Whoever was president was president. Mm -hmm. We were just little nobodies. What were we going to do about mm -hmm. it? Nothing. Right. And so because we believed that, we did nothing for a long time until the moment we, when we said, enough is enough. Mm -hmm. And now we're going to do something. And uh, it just, I think the Buttigieg campaign um, and that period of time and how we were feeling um, really just kind of coalesced into this spot of they're giving us the framework to learn how to do something and right make a so you could be and, yeah taking action yes yes and so we're gonna we're gonna grab onto that and we're gonna see where this crazy roller coaster ride goes yeah wow paul you know it all goes back i write about this a lot in the book but it simply goes back to pete's authenticity I mean, I think that's one of the things that just really reached out to me. I mean, his intellect, his wit, all of those things, uh, his comprehensive uh, knowledge of issues and his ability to explain them in terms I could understand. But at the root of that, there was his authenticity. And I remember so clearly, because, because I was directing in Tennessee at the time, I was able to drive to South Bend for Pete's formal declaration of candidacy. And Nan Whaley, uh, who's the mayor of Dayton, now running for governor of Ohio, uh, was one of the people who introduced Pete. And at the end of her remarks, uh, describing their relationship, her knowledge of him, her knowledge of Chaston, she said, could he not be more the polar opposite of what we have in the White House right now? And that was exactly it. I mean, they always say elections are about contrast, and there could not have been a greater contrast. Um, 
I knew, uh, you know, from the beginning that whoever got the Democratic nomination, I would vote for that person. This is, you know, at the beginning of 2019, when people were just beginning to ramp up. And we knew that Bernie would get into it. Joe was a question mark at that point. Elizabeth was probably going to get into it. And then there were a lot of others, you know, Amy, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Pete was a complete surprise. Uh, and I happened upon him and, you know, it was that thing. I mean, his was the voice that spoke to me. And it was, as a friend of mine put it, so in other words, he has nothing to hide. And I said, that's exactly right. He's totally open, totally authentic. And what I learned over the course of the campaign and from meeting him a few times, interacting with him in person and, you know, over Zoom for fundraising, et cetera, was that what you get in person is only what you get with him, you know, on Zoom or on video, but it's amplified. Everything you sense that's true about him, you know, in person is amplified. He's, he's just not, you know, he has that, that great Midwestern thing. Uh, and that authenticity was something so unusual in a politician, I think. Absolutely. That, and then, you know, we spent enough time with him in the campaign to see that. Yes, I kept seeing, saying, he's mm -hmm. the real deal. It was like uh, his interview with Charlemagne the God on The Breakfast Club when, you know, it seemed like Charlemagne ran out of things to say and he was kind of tongue-tied and he said, I don't know what to say because I feel like I'm talking to a real person and not a politician. And that was kind of exactly it. And of course, you know, that was the controversial remark about Chick-fil-A, you know, well, I don't like their politics, but I kind of like their chicken, you know, <laughs> created a kind of Tempest, you know, not unlike him going on Fox, you know, and I thought him going on Fox made such absolute sense. How am I going to get them to vote for me if they don't know who I am? Exactly. Just, and then he was reaching and I could tell that he was speaking, could reach the these former future former Republicans. And that's what obviously Lisa has talked about as how she was. Uh, former Rep lifelong Republican, and here's somebody you know that must have helped you in your um, in your work in your your rural area. That did uh, Pete came across as someone uh, you know authentic and someone who understood the um, the issues facing everyday people. I mean, it was uh, I mean, it was just it was mind blowing to me that this guy would go in front of what you might consider a hostile audience. And he did the impossible for a politician. People asked him questions, and then he answered them respectfully. And he didn't try and, you know, uh, he didn't try and, you know, spin anything or whatever. He's just like, yep, well, this is what I think. This is why I think it. This is how my values guide me. I think you have very similar values to me, and I hope I can earn your vote. And I loved that. Were yeah. either of you at his? Were either of you at his rally in Grinnell at Grinnell College, Grinnell, Iowa? It was one in which a group of protesters had come to the rally. They had gotten front row seats, and I think they were just a little bit to the side, but they were in the front row, and they were carrying some sort of banner that they wanted to unfurl. And it seemed to me that they had clearly spoken to somebody, and Pete knew they were there and said, just, you know, wait till the end, and then, you know, I'll let you have your moment. And... So they unfurled this banner across the front of the stage facing Pete, and then I think maybe turned to the audience. I don't remember that detail entirely. I saw this on television or, you know, someplace. I was not there. And Pete's response was kind of amazing because he said, that's really mean. I don't want to kill anybody. You know, and obviously their banner said something about his policies would end up killing people, you know. I don't know how or what the policies were that they were talking about. But the amazing thing was that I saw him take time at the end of this rally to actually talk to these protesters. And his thing was, well, they you know, probably aren't going to vote for me, but you know, maybe somewhere down the line, they'll remember this moment and I will have earned their respect. So uh, fun. here's a fun story, Paul. I grew up mm -hmm. in Grinnell. Uh-huh. Okay. You grew up No there. joke. Okay. Yeah. I grew up there. Uh, so Grinnell is, um, Grinnell is uh, this 
little town, uh, and of course, it's known for its college. Um, when I was in high school, I had the opportunity to take classes at Grinnell. Uh, I was in the classics department, actually. That was my major when I was in high school. Um, Grinnell has always, always as a college been extraordinarily progressive. I mean, like even when I was a kid, um, no joke, growing up, I didn't understand because of living in Grinnell that being gay was wrong. I didn't understand it. Uh, and it was because, you know, they were very progressive and people were very open. And so they've always, uh, you know, the student body there certainly has always, you know, championed a lot of different causes or whatever. And uh, so I am aware of the event that happened, although I wasn't there because I was getting ready to work an event the next day somewhere else. And, uh, and I remember the next day at the Pete event that I was working that uh, reporters were coming up and saying, well, what about the protesters from yesterday? What'd you think of that? And I was like, I can't speak to them. I can only speak to wow. me and what I think about why I am supporting yeah, this wow. candidate. That was awkward. <laughs> Yep. And so, uh, so, but we saw a lot of that in Iowa. We certainly saw that uh, in Des Moines. We certainly saw that early on, uh, you know, with people, uh, you know, coming to protest for various reasons. And um, as a team, every time that happened, we felt great. And here's why. Because no one spends their time uh, bagging on someone unless what they're doing is working and winning. <laughs> That's good. And so every single time that we would hear that kind of unfair criticism, we're just like, keep going, team, keep going, keep going, keep going. We're winning. Yeah. And then, and to see how that Pete handled it so well, that, that really must've helped too. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but you know, I mean, we were seeing all kinds of, uh, garbage in the media at that point and certainly social media for sure um and i remember one of our organizers we were talking about it as a little group and our one of our organizers said hey look stop reading garbage keep doing the work mm -hmm. and so that's what we did yeah and so that's what we did but we always took it as a badge of honor we're like oh wow that's this is fantastic. This is wonderful. <laughs> um, and, and I understand that, you know, uh, that maybe Pete didn't feel that way or maybe his senior staff didn't feel that way. But we saw that as nobody spends their time going after Marianne Williamson. <laughs> right. Okay? Yeah. And Pete had said in Shortest Way Home that when he was uh, in his mayoral campaign, when he saw his first attack ad, he goes and uh, he was counseled. Had that, that's actually a great that means you're a threat. So, yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make an abrupt shift here because I want to talk about what it was like writing, the writing process. But I know I don't really mean like the nitty gritty of the writing process. But, um, you know, it takes a while to write a book. And um, I just am kind of curious about, you know, did you, what did you learn about yourself during this, the process from, you know, writing to publishing and then promoting your book uh, who wants to go first paul you're the most recent um, I'll, I'll it's very fresh in your mind <laughs> okay. well very actually the writing took mind. a while well, yeah. <laughs> it did it did um although what's most fresh in my mind is that i've just ordered a second printing and i'm pleased about that but i think um what uh i learned you know, first of all, is that uh, I don't know as much about writing as I may have thought I did when I started. Uh, and it was a great process to begin with. Um, and uh, I learned a lot about patience and about the value of letting something sit and steep. Um, and, uh, and I, you know, I set out to write the book. I wanted I wanted to put down in writing my experience. So I had a record of it before, you know, too many other things happened in life and it just sort of, you know, evaporated. 
And I thought, well, this would be a nice way to uh, thank people who put up with me during the campaign and who supported me during the campaign and, and all of that. And I could, you know, do this and send it to them as a kind of stocking stuffer, as I've mentioned many times for Christmas, 2020. <laughs> okay. Uh, dream on. Oh, teenage Prince. Um, <laughs> but you know, it was a friend of mine who has uh, himself written a book and published. It's a, it's a cookbook called fat rascals. And uh, yeah, it, it happens to be contemporary interpretations of recipes that exist in Shakespeare's plays or at Shakespeare's time. And he said to me, uh, look, Paul, I wrote a book that nobody wants to read. It's about Shakespeare and bad food. You've got something going on here that uh, you know people are going to be very interested in, and you've got several platforms. And that's when I really began to start thinking about a book and a wider audience, as opposed to something that I might take to the local copy place and have them run off, you know, 40 copies, something like that. Um, And I wanted to see where the writing would lead me, where it would take me. And it took me a lot of places. And, um, you know, I always tried to come back to the campaign. I mean, it's definitely the through line, the spine of the book. And there are, you know, detours along the way that relate back to the campaign in one way or another um, and, and that experience. So, um, you know, it was ultimately it was a terrific, terrific uh, experience. And I learned a lot. Wow. So the, the, I love what you said about the, how you have to let things steep, like as a writer, just like, kind of like, you know, be patient, you know, like, you know, step back from it from a little bit and, you know, and, and not, not expect to just like get it done just in one fell swoop. How, hey, Lisa, how about your, your process? I know you, you've told, told me and told us and many people what your, uh, your aim was in writing the book. You had a specific purpose. Yeah. So, uh, I, I, I did not let it steep. <laughs> um, so uh, we had had a, uh, of course, we were coming, you know, off of the Iowa caucuses. Um, you know, we were very much told as teams across Iowa that we were built to last. And the expectation was that we would go out and change our little corner of the world, that we had been given every tool and every bit of training to go and do that. And uh and so after Pete dropped out, which was March the 1st, um, we were all, you know, a little bit, um, I, I think a lot of people were kind of disheartened and and just kind of, uh, well, now what? Uh, and of course, right on top of that, uh, you know, the, you know, the, the uh, quarantining came, right? So we were talking in those days, uh, you know, uh, in March of uh, March of 2020 of, oh, God, what do we do now? How do we make a difference? How do we go out and do something? And I said, well, I'll tell you what, everybody. How about this? I'll write down our story and the strategy that we used, and then we'll use the sales from, you know, whatever I write to go out and make a difference in Warren County. How about that? And everybody agreed that was a good idea on the team. And so I sat down in the month of April um, and basically in 30 days on my keyboard pounded this thing out. Oh my gosh. Um, Paul, are we, are we envious? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was all, it, it was, it was all very it was all very fresh in my memory and of course we wanted to get it out because we thought well we can raise money for helping hand of Warren County and crisp of Madison County which are our food pantries here and at the time of course you know we were really going into full lockdown mode and people were suffering and people were hungry people needed to be fed so how can we raise money for that and I said well why don't we do what we've always done from the ground and create something from nothing. We're experts at this. We know how to do it. And so I just sat down at my keyboard. Um, I did not have a um, outline of any sort. 
I just started from the beginning and I told the story and the strategy as we went. And uh, I had finished it. Um, I had finished the basic manuscript within 30 days. And then all of a sudden it became a question of, oh my God, how do you publish something? <laughs> how does that happen? <laughs> yeah, the easy part is writing, actually. People don't know that. <laughs> yep. And how do you how do you get it out there? How do you promote it? How do you how, what how do you get a book cover made? How do you do this? How do you do that? And one thing I did learn from working with Team Pete was you didn't have to be an expert at everything. You just had to be an expert at finding where the expert was. Ah, well said. And so then I just started reaching out and networking of, okay, I need an editor. I need um, I need a graphic artist. I need somebody who understands copyright. I need somebody who understands how to publish. I need someone who understands logistics. Um, and as I was as I was writing it, I was so grateful um, that so many people were generous with their time and said, okay, Lisa, this is how you do it. And this is the person you're going to call. And, and here's why you're going to call them. And it just turned out really wonderfully, um, from start to finish, uh, the entire project took nine months until I had a copy in my hand. And so I often said it was like having a baby. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, but the majority of that time, was in test read edit um you know getting getting all the legalese figured out forward all that kind of stuff um and and i'll admit it probably went faster than a lot of authors move so uh but we we really wanted to do something good in warren county and so i felt this real fire to get this thing out and and get some uh get some you know cabbage on the table, basically. Mm-hmm. I love how I love that team effort too. You know, I wasn't on Facebook very much at that time. I I'm a Twitter gal. That's why my podcast Twitter travels for Pete. But I had gone off, gotten off Facebook a little bit because uh, during the um, the other presidency. Uh, the the guy who won the electoral college, um, <laughs> it was it was just a little too hard for me to be on there with some of my uh, um, s- some people. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so I missed all of that, Lisa. I had no idea things were going on with you. Like all of a sudden, somebody posted on Twitter that they had your book, and I'm like, what? Cool, you know. And I ordered it right away. And I I, I think it's really interesting that you know you. And and the Paul, so you were really active on Facebook. I could I could tell, you know, you were writing your missives that I, I missed all of those. And <laughs> but but you 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 two probably missed the things that were going on on, on Twitter. So I, I love how we've got the, the two platforms pretty well covered here as far as uh Team Pete support <laughs> in our experience. Can I um can I leap in here with a, a few things uh that um Lisa um made me think of first of all i realized that the length of time it took me to write paul for pete was the exact length of time i was involved in the campaign 13 months so that was kind of an interesting symmetry although you know yeah auspicious although 13 you know um maybe not so lucky but um uh i also you know encountered so many people who were willing to help including you know, the graphic designer uh, who did all of the layout for me. Uh, and, you know, I mean, it was one of the blessings of the curse of the pandemic was that there were people with time on their hands uh, looking for creative ways to be engaged. And Dustin, my graphic designer, was one of them. But, um, uh, you know, one of the things that, oh, golly, uh, that you said, and now I, oh, the thing about being disheartened when he when Pete suspended the campaign, um, and I remember the day you know so clearly, and I talk about it in the book. You know, being a fundraiser is um, inspiring and it's exhausting. And I knew that you know we got messages from Pete's campaign staff fairly quickly about you know they were engaged with the Biden campaign and you know the Biden campaign was very open to you know people making a lateral transfer and i thought to myself you know i 
I don't have the energy to keep fundraising. Plus, it takes an incredible amount of inspiration and um, passion, you know, for the specific person. And I had really, you know, felt that for Pete. And I wasn't sure where I was, frankly, with Joe. Um, but the one place where I felt I could make a contribution and continue was in arts policy work. And so they invited me to transfer to Joe and Kamala's uh, arts policy committee. And that was um, a very rewarding experience, very different from Pete's because with Pete's campaign, and I think you guys both know this and, and, and write this, you know, it, it always had that feeling of being young, scrappy, and hungry, if I can quote Hamilton. You know, and because I got involved very early on, you know, I felt like I had, you know, joined really on the ground floor. Um, and then, you know, working with Joe's campaign, I was working with a lot of people who had been involved in arts policy with the Obama administration and who were more, and I don't mean this to sound pejorative in any way, but they were more, you know, Washington insiders with a lot of experience together. And it was fascinating to compare and contrast the two experiences, all working for the same goal. And it was my way of taking, you know, the passion I had felt and the commitment I had felt to Pete's campaign into a place where it could really do some good. You know, it's interesting. It's interesting, Paul, that you mentioned that. Uh, so I was obviously I was on the ground knocking on doors, driving all over the place. Uh, but another channel that I was in quite a bit was comms. Um, for whatever reason, that campaign put me in front of reporter after reporter after reporter. And so when the Biden campaign reached out to me to make that lateral move, they wanted me to do the same thing. And I was just like, I, uh, and, and a friend of mine explained this correctly. She's like, imagine that you were in a marriage of love, the love of your life. She's like, and now all of a sudden you're being put into an arranged marriage. <laughs> That's great. You know, and, mm -hmm. and, and that, like those words, you know, really rung true to me where I was just like, okay, I'll, yes, I'll do it. And I'll do the best job I can. Um, but it was, uh, it, it was a, it was a rough transition for me. And I don't know if you felt, uh, that same way, Sue Ann. Um, now, now I have no arguments <laughs> about Joe Biden. Okay. Yeah. Right. This guy promised me a shot in my arm in a hundred days and I got it on day 38. Good job, Joe. Um, and, and lots of other things too. I, I, I'm not discounting all of the other good things that have happened. Right. But it, um, you know, yeah, obviously we were, um, madly in love with Pete as a candidate and that does not just end quickly. But I, no. I would say, you know, in writing, writing my book, the whole the process of writing it was really healing for me because I was able to really celebrate the whole campaign at the time when other people, you know, just having that is like, um, you know, to be able to have that to linger. Like when you write a chapter, you're lingering on that experience and all the people that I met and also to be able to reach out to everybody. Like each chapter um, was about a place that I visited and somebody I met or interviewed. And then I wanted to make sure that they approved of what I was writing. So I'd send off the chapter to them. So it was, it was really wonderful to have that interaction with that person to, to continue the relationship with them that, that we had during the campaign that now we had after the campaign too, just because I was writing the book. So if I hadn't been writing, then, I mean, it's like, I don't know, this, this just writing the book enriched my experience. Absolutely. Um, one of the really interesting things for me, um, you know, I listening to you, both of you and also, you know, reading your books was the difference between my experience, which was often working in isolation versus, you know, being a, being among a whole lot of other people, you know, working on Pete's campaign, working towards the same goal. You know, you can do fundraising, you know, if you've got a, a laptop, 
you know, and a connection, you can, you know, or, or an iPhone, you know, you can do fundraising anywhere in isolation by yourself. And it was interesting because when I was invited to uh, become a grassroots fundraiser very early on, um, you know, I, I thought about it for a day uh, because I'd never done it. And I thought, well, you know, why not? I mean, the only thing that can happen is you'll find out you're not very good at it. And it turned out I actually was good at it. Um, and I enjoyed doing it. Uh, I'm like you, Sue Ann, in that I enjoy talking to people, especially about things that I believe in. But, you know, I was pretty much by myself. And because Oregon is um, a late primary, I mean, we would, I think we were June, if, you know. Right. So <laughs> I, not I, consequential I in any way. Right. And because I live in the southern part of the state, I'm 280 miles south of Portland, which is where most of the activity for Pete was taking place with the PDX for Pete group, which I became, you know, loosely affiliated with. You know, I was kind of operating just on my own. I found out much later that there was another fundraiser right here in Ashland, the town in which I live. She was working in the investor circle end of things, which are the high-end donors. And I was on the grassroots level and we've become really good friends since then. But we, and we were both in South Bend for his declaration of candidacy, but we didn't know each other. We found each other much later. But the, the interesting thing was that I thought, okay, the campaign's going to give me lots of advice about how to go about this. And the only advice they gave me was tell your story. And that's what a director in the theater does for storytellers. And so I began telling my story, and that seemed to work in whatever way, in whatever format, whatever platform I was using to tell it. And that's it the authenticity Really? Yeah, I mean, it's not exactly. just from Pete, it's from every the whole campaign, right? All the way down from Pete. Yeah. That's the relational yeah. organizing again, right? And that yep. as a fundraiser, that's what you were doing. Yeah. Tirelessly, just like at least everything you were doing was tirelessly. And I, it's very impressive. And look, you know what? Where do we go from here now? Because like the focus, okay, Pete's the Secretary of Transportation, and you know that's it's fantastic uh, opportunity for him. Um, but the camp, the primary campaign's over, as we well know. And how can we take? What is it about our experience, or how can we take our experience and and from our book and from writing and the experience itself? How can we take that forward? Well, midterms are now. Midterms are now. I know. I didn't want to wait. I didn't want to wait too much longer uh, because the, we'll be working hard. Yeah, I mean, uh, from from my perspective, it's that uh, grassroots organizing is more important than ever. Um. And I understand people are tired, they're frustrated, they're fed up. Um, they're seeing all these negative articles and, you know, that, you know, this year is going to be doom and gloom and that kind of thing. Um, here's what I would encourage people to do. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. Stop reading garbage. Yeah. Keep doing the work because the work matters more than people really give it credit for. People say, well, what difference does it make if I call 10 of my friends? What difference does it make if I knock on 30 doors? What difference does it make? It makes all the difference. And if a person doesn't think that they can make a difference personally in big issues, they are sorely mistaken. I'm telling you, you can. And it's going to take all of us making these little efforts. It doesn't have to be a full-time thing, right? Uh, but maybe just like once a week, you know, throw some bucks in the hat. Uh, talk to some of your friends about, uh, you know, a candidate. Let them be aware because most people are just living their lives. Oh, and, yeah. and they're tired of politics. They're sick to death of it. I get it but there's too much on the line right now. So uh, if, if you can do nothing else, make a commitment that at least once a week, you're going to do something, you know, be, be the boots on the ground. You can do it. And, and that swings elections. 
Oh, oh, for sure. And I love how you said just do a little bit, you know, especially early on. And you can, of course, ramp that up. But, you know, then it's manageable because otherwise you're thinking, oh, I'm not doing enough. And so I'm not going to do anything because I don't have time. But just uh, whatever that you can do. It's very inspirational. Yeah, you've got the boots on the ground. <laughs> Fantastic. And Paul, you're the super fundraiser. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah. do, hey, do um, candidates I'll, need money? Do candidates need money? <laughs> yeah, do candidates need money? And yes, they need money and they need money now. They don't need money, you know, two days before the election. Uh, That's so important. Now. So important for yeah. people to yeah. realize. Now is the time. Now is the time. Yeah. And there are some candidates that um, were former Win the Era candidates who are, are running for different offices now that are, um, you know, we can support um, through, we could see on uh, social media that when Team Pete's making a push for someone, we know that, especially a former win the era, like Malcolm Kenyatta and Jevin mm -hmm. Hodge. Um, Jevin Hodge, yep. Yeah. Yeah, Lucy McBath, um, sure. Uh, Shereen David, I think is that her name in Kansas? Is it Charisse da David? Charisse, yeah. yeah. Right, yeah. there's so many good candidates. I mean, that's having when the era um, after Pete dropped, that was that was uh, so wonderful to be able to, you know, transition to other candidates. Yeah, it was, and it was a great great way to segue. You know, it was great to be able to stay connected with him. Uh, and, you know, to help ease that transition, as I write in Paul for Pete, you know, the thing that nobody really ever mentioned, maybe they mentioned it to you guys, but uh, they never mentioned it to me. And that's the thing about political campaigns come to an end and those endings are abrupt. Somebody wins, somebody loses. Of course, you know, we're in this whole other thing right now that we don't need to get into. But, but you know, it's like, you know, you're at the edge of the cliff and and then the next the moment you're at the bottom of the cliff or you're still on top of the cliff. But, I, I had know. no idea it would be that abrupt either, but I guess they can't show their hand, right? They can't say, um, yeah, 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 in two no. days and we're going to draw. As I write in Paul for Pete, you know, even the day he withdrew, I had a conversation with Chaston in the morning and with Pete when he was on his way from breakfast with the Carters to um, uh, catch the plane to Selma. And you never would have known that, you know, uh, the ship was going to hit the fan, so to speak. I'm sorry um, that. <laughs> so, uh, so you you talk about that, Paul. Uh, that particular day, I had been in conversation with the comms team, and uh, a bunch of us from Iowa were going to go barnstorm in Mississippi. And so I said, okay, well, you know, here we've got our flights arranged. We've got, this is our Airbnb. This is where we're flying into. Uh, we're bringing, you know, we've got 250 signs. We've got this many stickers. We've got this and that. We've got all of our clipboards. We're ready to go. And I didn't get a response back. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Wow. And I thought, oh, well, they're just busy. Mm -hmm. They're busy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, no. Well, they were busy, <laughs> but... Yeah. Um, and not so in the way it, you thought. it just was not in the way that we yeah. thought, not in the way that we thought. Yeah. And so, of course, here in Iowa in particular, we were just flabbergasted. Oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it was so hard. And then we all, of course, think that it was all the work was worth it. All the money that we put in was worth it. And that's how we have to take forward Absolutely. Too, when you're, when you're yeah, supporting 100%. a candidate and that's good to remember, you know, it could end at any moment that you don't know. Well, you still have and to. The, yeah. And the lessons that we learned, the, 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 the strategies, the tactics, these go forward into the midterms and we just need to use them. And then we also need to teach other folks how to do it too. Right. The relation and the relational organizing, everything we learned on the campaign on the peak campaign that we're just going to continue to do. And I'd like to, to talk about the rules of the road because that was really, uh, I think big for all of us. And, um, I do talk a lot about that in my book and the subtitle being Finding Belonging in a Political Campaign because that's the double meaning of like I, I experienced belonging myself everywhere I went from, you know, and everybody I met on the campaign, you know, from Pete down. 
And but uh, I also found that I belonged, and I found that everybody else felt like they belonged. So. Um, how important it is as we are working on campaigns and for causes that I think the rules of the road are still really important for us to follow. And that's what makes us Team Pete, basically. I think that that's one of the things that we all uh, believe in the rules of the road and a decency and a code of conduct for how to, how to behave as we're, you know, supporting candidates. Well, I think that... Um you know, the thing about belonging, uh, and, and first of all, I want to say that even though things didn't turn out the way I had hoped they would turn out, the way I'd worked for them to turn out, I don't regret a moment. I don't regret a dime. You know, it was the experience of a lifetime. And, you know, I felt like I was doing such a good thing for our country that, mm. you know, there was such yes. reward in just, you know, not just feeling that way personally, but also being told that by a lot of people. Um, but, you know, the thing about belonging, I think one of the genius things about the campaign, and I might have already said this, was that they made it possible for each of us, you know, to find the place where we belonged and to empower us to do what we knew how to do already and wanted mm -hmm. to learn and get better at. So sorry yes. if I'm repeating myself. Right. And I'll, but, uh, no, not at all. And, and celebrating everybody's strengths and skills and what, what you could mm -hmm. bring to it. Yep. To, yeah, for sure. I was going to say, I never felt micromanaged. Um, I just never felt micromanaged. I felt empowered. Yes, yes, yes. You just nailed it, Paul. Um, I remember uh, this, uh, this group of folks who would show up to volunteer, who would show up to the events, that kind of thing. And they all wore these t-shirts that they had had made that uh, said reasonable Republicans for Pete. I love it. <laughs> Think about that. Yes. <laughs> and, and so we were of the opinion of, Hey, if you're a person of good faith and you're going to help us out, mm -hmm. you're in, yeah. you get a seat at the table. You belong here. Right. And it's not going to be this litmus test, you know, either you're a Republican or a Democrat, you know, it's like. And and there were other campaigns that were running in Iowa at the same time. They were just like, ew. Uh, but we were just like, hey, if these are folks of good faith, if these are people who are willing to go out and do the work with us, why in the world wouldn't we let them come with us? Exactly. And it's what Pete talks about, meet people on their journey. I mean, that's that's like one of the most important things I learned from Pete when he was talking about, you know, and his example was in Shortest Way Home, but he did uh, talk about it um, other times. And his example in Shortest Way Home was for somebody to, you know, come, to uh, come around and accept um, gay marriage, for example. And... But that, that applies to so many things in life that, you know, if you just expect someone to just all of a sudden just like agree with you 100 percent, that they're OK if they just agree with you 100 percent or it's just or it's nothing. Right. So it's being able to accept them, you know, as they're making the effort, the effort, the good effort um, on their journey to and, and we really need that, I'd say, say now more than ever. Um, we need a we need that more now than ever, and I know that it feels good sometimes to folks to you know, whatever post the nasty meme or whatever you know, that and I've been guilty of it. Okay, I have. Um, <laughs> guilty you know, where, as where you charged. <laughs> guilty as charged. But what I also understand is that doesn't that doesn't uh, reach out and foster any sort of communication. And look, there are some folks that I really don't need to understand their perspective. I don't need to understand the perspective of uh, perspective of, you know, uh, neo-Nazis and the right. KKK. Yeah. Okay. I don't need to understand that perspective. But people in your care. community, you know, but people in our community yeah. where, Hey, uh, and, and we always took this approach on the ground, which was you agree on this thing. I agree on this thing. Come with me and help me make this thing happen. Right. Right. Let's just do that. And if we can do that, if we can come to those basic agreements, 
then we can make our community better. And then we can bicker about the like really deep stuff later, but there's some basic things that need to happen here, people. Yeah. And we all know that it. affect our everyday so, lives. Right. Yes. I don't know if you mm-hmm. uh, follow uh, Connie Schultz, you know, the columnist for the yes. Cleveland Plain Dealer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She said something on Twitter once that I always try to remember. And she said she always asks herself, how does this help? <laughs> and I will, you know, write something on Twitter, especially on Twitter. And I'll try to ask myself, how does this help? <laughs> and sometimes the answer is, most of the time, the answer is, it doesn't. <laughs> or it only helps myself temporarily venting, exactly. you know. Oh, my goodness. You know, we, we could talk all day, the three of us. Um, but, you know, we're going to have to get busy and um, get working on the midterms, right? But, of course, don't you think everyone needs to own all three of our books? <laughs> Because they look so pretty on the on the bookshelf, we've got the we've got the Harvest Gold uh, boots on the ground, and then uh, my blue uh, traveling the trail for Pete, and then Paul for Pete's green. So I think they look very nice together. So how can people get your book, Paul? Uh, it's easy right now. Uh, there's one place other than a couple of, you know, local bookstores, if you happen to be in Southern Oregon, uh, but, uh, my website, which is wwwpaul for pete and four is spelled out F O R Paul for Pete.com. And it's pretty easy. I'm looking at, you know, expanding, uh, distribution now and we'll see where that leads to, but for now, www.paulforpete.com. Yeah, that that does make it easy. And Lisa, how can people get your book, Boots on the Ground? Uh, so obviously, uh, when I launched, uh, it was we were in the middle of a pandemic. Well, wait, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> right? It's just two years. I don't know. That's fine. Uh, so, uh, so I sell through Amazon. Uh, just go ahead and type into the search bar, uh, Boots on the Ground, a grassroots tale, uh, and you'll find it there. And there's a bunch of reviews, uh, and you can definitely uh, preview, um, you know, some of the text, see if it's for you. Um, but what I hope that folks get from it is that, you know, yes, you can make a difference, whether it's in politics or in a local community group or whatever it is that you're trying to do. Um, these are some methods and strategies for you to go out and make a difference where you're at in your corner of the world. Right. And my book, Traveling the Trail for Pete, is available to be ordered almost at any bookstore on Amazon. Uh, Also, I've got some signed copies through my website. That's a new thing. If somebody wants a signed copy, I can sell directly through their website, which is travelingthetrailforpete.com. I have the Audible version, which was very fun to record, and, and Kindle. So... All three books. How could somebody get all three books? Do we have something special coming up, Lisa? Well, rumor on the street is uh, that uh, here very soon uh, we're going to be doing a uh, a auction of all three books on eBay uh, for uh, charity. We're going to have that go to Chef Andres, uh, which if World you, Street uh, Kitchen. Exactly. And uh, that'll that all the proceeds of that auction of these three bundled autographed 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 Mm -hmm. uh, are going to go to that organization. Obviously, being of service was the first plank of, um, you know, Pete's policies. And I believe of being of service in our communities. And I know that uh, Sue Ann and that Paul do, too. Uh, so, you know, we're going to be putting out the link for that. Um, bid often and bid high. Wow. Uh, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to get, you're going to get not only three amazing books out of this, uh, but also support a good cause in its entirety. So, uh, Mm. we will encourage people to do that and put that link out there for folks to go and check it out. So we will, um, stay tuned because, um, this will be happening 
fairly soon. We just don't have the date exact, but it, it will be promoted heavily on Facebook and Twitter. So, so you will know. When, um, after Pete, accepted the nomination for uh, Secretary of Transportation in December, the middle of December, uh, uh, what was that, 2020. And um, he, Swathi Mailavarapu, who was his director of uh, investment, I think was the official title. And Pete and Chaston uh, hosted a, a kind of uh, Zoom call for fundraisers, I believe, just to be able to say thank you and to sort of draw things to a close. And he brought with him two guests. One was uh, Steve Camilleri, I think his name is, who is the director of the South Bend uh, Center for Homelessness, and Chef Andres from World Central Kitchen. And... Um, talked about, you know, those two organizations as being, you know, particularly beneficial to people, you know, both locally and internationally. And it so happened that Chef Andre's World Central Kitchen came to Ashland after the Almeida fire here, which broke out one block from uh, our house and which we had to evacuate. We were spared, our neighborhood was spared, but uh, as the fire traveled out of our neighborhood, and devastated the towns to the north of us, um, you know, over 2,500 homes destroyed, 100 buildings completely leveled. Uh, Chef Andres and World Central Kitchen stepped in to help get uh, feeding uh, the Rogue River Valley uh, uh, efforts started and has continued to this day. And we're a year and a half out from that fire. So it's an amazing organization. Wow. And, and if people have the three books already, they could still bid. Hello. Right? That's my spiel. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what? Makes, makes a great <laughs> gift pack for somebody. A, a great gift pack. Yes. Oh, my gosh. This so, is so much fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that uh, this, this fundraiser we're doing for. Thank you so much. That was Lisa's idea. So stay tuned for information details on that. Oh, well, I, I want to talk longer. I want to talk another hour, but um, our listeners probably have to get going with their day and do something else. So I want to thank you both so much for joining me today. Thank you, Lisa and Paul. Thanks for having, thanks for having us today. Yes, yeah, and bet. thank you, thank Paul. You. And I know I'll be seeing you both online. And then you know what? We're going to see each other, I'm sure, in future campaign gigs. And uh, we're going to see other Team Pete people. So it's it lives on. That's what's so wonderful. It's not over. It's just beginning. And that's the beauty of it. That's the just beauty. beginning. Yes, just beginning. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, take care, Thank everyone. Thank you so Bye. much. Thank you for listening to Twitter Travels for Pete, special book edition. Now let's go and take some action.